0: Alright folks, it's time to talk about Pokemon again. We've done this a lot, you know what to expect. I'm Jordan, and here to help me discuss all things Pokemon are my brothers.
1: I'm Jason.
0: I'm Jackson. Now, are you ready to hear three adults talk about a kids game for like an hour? Well, let's get into it.
1: That's the kind of high energy opening that people are really going to stick around for. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, High energy is definitely the the right word for how I have felt about this game. I was pretty jazzed about every decision made in this game. But then (laughs) those first couple of reviews came out and boy, howdy. (laughs) To sort of address the elephant in the room before we talk about any of the specifics about this game. Yes, this game looks and runs terribly. It is... Quite ugly at times, and very broken, especially related to exploration. Do you all agree with that much, at least?
2: Yeah, very yeah. much
0: so.
1: For for sure. It's a very ugly game. The buttons don't listen to you sometimes. Uh, if you leave the game running too long, it gets progressively worse.
0: When you're going into or out of cities, the game doesn't know what it's doing sometimes.
1: There, um, The pop-in is somehow worse than Sonic uh frontiers was
0: uh when a pokemon is about a hundred feet away they are shown as about four pixels (laughs) um it's it's an ugly ugly game and the performances are are, are rough and if you're the type of person that's like can't deal with those things in a game i can't blame you like it's not defensible at this point i mean this is the biggest gaming franchise in the world and they are turning out consistently either very low ambition or like this very messy games but for me personally i can kind of put all that away and look past it which maybe i shouldn't do maybe i should hold them to the higher standards but but i can look past all that and when i do look past all of that i really 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 like this game this is the most fun i've had with the pokemon game in a very 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 long time
1: now that we've gotten rid of all the people that are just here to validate their own opinions, we can actually talk about the Pokemon game.
0: As ugly and broken as it is, it's still kind of just what I was expecting with Game Freak's pedigree. So maybe it's I went in with low expectations, but like the core Pokemon-ness of this game is exceptional.
1: I think and and you know, it's it's both a, a gift and a curse, uh, is that as long as a Pokemon game plays the same way. I mean, and let's be honest, at, on at least the most basic level, there's there's no real difference between, like, the original Pokemon Red and Blue and Pokemon Scarlet and Violet.
0: Yeah, I mean, the core is, the core has been the same literally the entire series' history.
1: It's kind of impossible for them to make, like, a truly terrible Pokemon game, which is just, it makes Sun and Moon absolutely baffling.
0: <laughs> yeah so let's let's actually set that up a little bit let's talk about our experiences with pokemon which we've gotten into many times before so if you have listened to our other pokemon episodes first of all thank you and second uh just bear with us for a couple of minutes jackson tell us about your pokemon experiences i got started
2: with good old x and y i uh when x and y came out i had to go on the trip with our parents And I didn't want to go, but it was mandatory for some reason that I do not remember because it was 2013. And I was told that if I was good on this trip, I could get a DS game. So then I bought Pokemon X and it changed my life. You were like nine years
0: old at this point, maybe 10?
2: Yeah, nine, almost 10, something around there. This was the first Pokemon game I ever really got into and... Naturally, because the way the Pokemon series works is the one you played first is uh, your favorite and the best. <laughs> uh, X and Y is my favorite and also the best Pokemon game.
0: Yeah, you might be the only person in the entire world with that opinion. No, I take that back. There, are, like you said, if it if it was your first Pokemon game, I'm sure there are plenty that still love it. I think it's like universally maligned as one of the worst in the series, which I t- which I personally disagree with. But like, it
1: it did add Mega Evolutions, which are yeah. The best thing they've done with Pokemon. Like yeah. the best new feature, I would say. Yeah,
0: yeah. But I've
2: played every main series game since then. I've played that weird Arceus game that I sometimes <laughs> forget even came out. I've been a fan for a while, even if I haven't always enjoyed the games.
1: I really like the idea of calling it that weird Arceus game that I forget even came out. That came out this year. I know.
0: <laughs> that was February. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you didn't love that one. I it, did not. No, like,
1: I I think Jackson's kind of been coming back around on his arc with Pokemon.
2: Yeah, this is this is a Pokemon redemption arc in my
1: eyes. Yeah. Well, you didn't like you didn't like Sword and Shield at all, and I I don't think you liked Sun and Moon that much. I liked Sun and Moon, but in
2: the sense of I played them when they came out, and I was thirteen. Sword and Shield, I did not like that much. Arceus, I did not like basically at all. I didn't even play the
0: Diamond and Pearl remakes. Yeah. And, like, we've kind of talked about that on previous episodes, how everyone kind of has that arc, I guess you could say. Like, they, the first couple of Pokemon games they play, they really love. And then they fall off for a couple of gens and they come back around. Because, like, Jason and I, like, we both played since the beginning. But I kind of fell off in, like, the Diamond and Pearl era. Like, I, I played Diamond and Pearl, but I never, like, really went all out on them. And then I really didn't care for black and white at all.
1: He fell off on Diamond and Pearl. Diamond and Pearl was the first game that I actually ever owned. Like, that was actually just mine. Because prior to that, like, we just shared copies, basically. these are not good games for sharing. (laughs) Well, I remember we would both play a lot of uh, Fire Red. Yeah. And then I think not long after that, I took your old copy of blue and I played through that. (laughs) Yeah. But then like diamond and Pearl, I think, yeah, it it was the first game that I got for my personal Nintendo DS. So I basically just sat down and obsessively played Pokemon diamond for, you know, weeks on end. Um, And then after that, that's when I went back and I got my favorite game in the entire Pokemon series, Pokemon Emerald. (laughs) And then I I never... I still have not played Black and White at this point. But I think I've at least played every Pokemon game other than the Black and White and Black and White 2 games.
0: I at least owned one of them. But I don't think I played more than a few hours, maybe. I'm really looking forward to the inevitable remake of Gen 5. It'll be the first remake where I'm actually playing the game for the first time. So, so looking forward to that. But, But, like, I've really played... At least I've at least beaten the story of every of at least one game in every gen save Gen Five. So, you know, I would say that I'm a, a I'm a Pokemon veteran to say the least. <laughs> so Scarlet and Violet, this is the the ninth generation or at least ninth main generation. I know there are some weird spin off and remake things that kind of throw that <laughs> into the wind a little bit, but. Uh, this is the the ninth time we've gotten a lot of new Pokemon, I guess we can say safely. There are three pretty big changes to the formula this time around that is now open world, which is definitely the most glaring change. And with that comes the second change, which is the fact that there is no longer a set route. Um, you take on challenges in whatever order you want, which leads into the third big change, which is the fact that there are now three storylines instead of just the one central one. Those three storylines being your traditional Pokemon thing, get your badges, beat the Elite Four. There is what is called the Path of Legends, where you fight some giant Pokemon that are causing trouble and you got to steal some ingredients for sandwiches from them. That's so weird when I say it out loud. <laughs> Uh, and then there's the You're third You're trying path. to
1: build the best sandwich of all
0: time. Yeah. And then the last path is your sort of stereotypical villain group thing that you see in other Pokemon games with your Team Rockets and all that, which is a group called Team Star, and you just got to go to their bases and take them down to stop them from doing some bad things that are kind of both ambiguous and not that big of a deal. <laughs>
1: One thing that I I do want to mention that I think is funny about, you know, the open world and the three storylines is uh, they also gave you three new rivals, one for each path, essentially. Yeah. There's the main rival, Nimona, and her whole thing is that she is obsessed with battling. That's all she cares about. She likes battling. She just kind of pushes you to go to each of the gym leaders. Rival for the Titan Pokemon. I guess he's more of a teammate for that, is uh, Arvin. And his whole thing is that he has terrible, um, depending on which game you play, mother or, like, mommy or daddy issues. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then there's the bases, where you get to hang out with Clive. And Clive's whole thing is that he's actually 70, I'm assuming, because of the hair.
0: Yeah. Now, I will say, just from the offset, I actually kind of like that change. I think that pokemon's always been sort of lacking in the story department i think even the ones that people argue have especially good stories are still only good in the context of a pokemon game (laughs) but at the very least i did like the companions you have in this game more than the ones you've had in previous games
1: yeah i mean i definitely like all of them they they all have like strong personalities they're all like pretty defined characters which i think Kind of goes to make the whole thing with no voice acting even more baffling. <laughs> yeah. But that's more of just an issue with the entire series.
0: And I've I've heard people say, like, oh no, Pokemon games would be annoying if they had voice acting.
1: They're annoying now!
0: The more that they want to talk in these games, the more confusing it is that you can't actually hear them. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the open world itself. I think first let's sort of explain how things are different. So, when I say open world, I do obviously mean like you can go anywhere and explore wherever like from the get-go, which I think is very very cool. But another thing that's sort of changed is much like Legends Arceus, there are no longer Pokémon hidden in tall grass and stuff. All the Pokémon are out in the open world for you to see, and you can choose to engage in a battle with them or not. I would say by and large, I think that that's a pretty positive change. How do you all feel about the shift from the old formula to this new open world thing overall? I like the whole thing with Pokémon actually being
2: out in the wild. Especially like I wish that there still like was tall grass and Pokémon in it. I wish it was a mix of both, mostly Pokémon that are in the overworld, kind of like how Sword and Shield I think did it. I I do think the open world in this is extremely boring, though.
1: (laughs) I think that it kind of has a lot of the same issues that Pokemon Legends Arceus did. The Pokemon are all out, and you can, you know, it makes it easier to know what you're getting into whenever you get into a Pokemon battle. There's no randomness involved anymore. If you're looking for a specific Pokemon, you can walk up to that Pokemon and fight it and not have to worry about anything else getting in your way unless, you know, I guess you could accidentally run into a different Pokemon, but that's on you. <laughs> but the Pokemon still don't interact with the world or each other at all, which yeah. some of the trailers they showed off made it look like that was going to be the case, and that was something I was really excited for. But at the end of the day, it's just a bunch of 3D models wandering in a field, Yeah, and they're completely unaware of the other Pokemon around them, unless you're in a battle, because then they all kind of stand on the outskirts and watch. I
0: think that they're definitely more active than they were in like Legends Arceus, for example. And at the very least, the Pokemon will like acknowledge each other just in terms of they kind of group up or they different Pokemon will, you know, approach each other or stay away from each other depending on their natures and stuff. But like it still feels very fake. They're, they've yet to crack whatever it is that makes the Pokemon feel like actual animals. They're just kind of standing there, and they do their movement animation to go somewhere else, and they stand there. There's no more energy to it than that.
1: There's They don't interact with each other beyond bumping into each other, is kind of my issue. Yeah. If there is a bird Pokemon and a bug Pokemon close together... I think that bird Pokemon should do something about it. <laughs> or the bug Pokemon should run. Like there there should be something. I think that having an inter- interactions between the Pokemon in this open world would be so cool. And I would really love to see that. You look at like Pokemon Snap, even the original Pokemon Snap did it at least to some extent, even though a lot of that was just scripted. But yeah. it's so cool to see. And if there was that much going on under the hood, maybe I would understand why the game looks and runs so badly. But performance-wise, like this game's not doing anything that Legends Arceus wasn't doing already. And Legends Arceus didn't run this poorly. It may have looked just as bad, but it didn't run this bad. Now, one of the
0: big differences mechanically from Legends Arceus is in, in Arceus, you could just throw a Pokeball and catch a Pokemon. You didn't have to get into a battle with it. They have gotten rid of that this time around, which I was a bit disappointed in. Especially mm-hmm. in the early game where I feel like if it's like a level four Pokemon, you're definitely going to be able to catch it on the first throw. I shouldn't have to battle it. But I can excuse that some with the introduction of the let's go mechanic. Did you all use that much at all? I used it for grinding. I didn't even do that with it. I only used it for the
2: uh, the basis.
0: <laughs> yeah, so they there's a new mechanic called let's go where you throw out a Pokemon and it sort of just runs off in a straight line and it battles Pokemon that it comes across and picks up items for you. And you get less experience, but it does condense battles down to just one move.
1: Yeah, they also don't use uh, PP while they're battling that way.
0: Yeah, so it's, it's basically a way where you can grind. You know, you can kill a lot of Pokemon very quickly. I didn't use it a ton in the base game, but I think it has made some of the post game stuff and some of like the shiny hunting stuff I've done significantly better. It's taken a lot of the tediousness out of the most tedious parts of Pokemon. It's not a flawless system. It's pretty buggy. The Pokemon don't always do what you would expect them to. There's some situations where it just inexplicably doesn't work, but I would still say overall it was a pretty strong addition and uh, it makes me a little bit less frustrated with the fact that it's slower than Legends Arceus was otherwise.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, like I said, really good for grinding because, you know, you can you get less experience like you mentioned. But you can also battle like 10 Pokemon in the time it would take you to battle one. So yeah. Yeah. it evens out. <laughs> At the end of the day, you probably get more experience doing it but it is really buggy and i feel like it's not super responsive sometimes you'll hit the button and it just won't listen for no reason yeah uh, and then yeah. some it's really weird i guess there's like a range around your character that determines whether you resummon the pokemon like from a pokeball or whether they run to you but sometimes you'll hit the button for it to attack a pokemon that's like right in front of you and if it's like right on the edge of that boundary it's really annoying because instead of just instantly getting thrown at it it takes like 20 seconds to run all the way like from 15 feet away because I mean if it's for training you're probably doing with a lot of low level pokemon or at least i was yeah it's it, it's kind of uh a neat idea that's not executed super well but i would definitely like to see you know in the next game that hopefully it's handled a bit better or maybe even in updates ideally i assume this game's gonna get at least one or two dlc like sword and shield did so
0: well i guess let's sort of You know, take this let's go momentum (laughs) and uh, talk about the first of those three stories, the Team Star bases. So how these work is there are five bases spread across the map, and they're each a different type. They're a base that's full of Pokemon of that type, and each one has a challenge where you have to battle 30 of them using the let's go mechanic in under 10 minutes. How did you guys feel about the base battles overall?
1: I didn't mind them conceptually. (laughs) I thought 10 minutes was way too long. I don't think it took longer than two minutes for any of them. And that's just because, like, the fighting one is really linear. Like, there's just a set path that you need to take, and there's I think there's probably only, like, 35 Pokemon in that base at all. But some of them, especially, like, the dark base, which is the first one I did, there was probably, like, 100 Pokemon and it gave me 10 minutes to fight 30 of them when each battle takes you know two seconds and I could be doing three battles at a time
2: I just found them very boring (laughs) like you don't you don't do much you go in and you throw your Pokemon out while they fight a bunch and then you fight a boss that always has the same Pokemon
0: yeah it's it's probably the weakest of the three stories in my opinion from like a gameplay perspective I think it has probably the best narrative hook but I think that the let's go battles were just tedious and I don't think that the boss battles at the end of the bases were really that different from say a gym leader for example so I just feel like this one didn't offer a ton I mean I still think it was a cool idea to have this like a a way to sort of force you to use the let's go mechanic but I I do feel like this was definitely the weakest of the three main legs of the story.
1: I do have to say, I did really like the Team Star leaders or whatever.
0: Yeah, for sure. Much more interesting than most Pokemon NPCs.
1: My favorite being like, Mela, Mila, something like that. Uh, Because she has giant boots, so she can't bend her knees. And kind of like, (laughs) duck walks everywhere. It's very funny. Yeah. Also, one of them is just like... When you go to fight him, or when you go to his base, uh, (laughs) you find out that he's, like, just a kid. Instead of fighting a normal Team Star guard at the front door to the base, uh, you fight his piano teacher. (laughs) Very good stuff. Yeah. I really like Team Star. I didn't like the, you know, 10-minute cutscenes that (laughs) (laughs) followed every Team Star base.
0: There is a lot of talking around the the bases because you have basically a cutscene before you have a battle you have another cutscene you do the base and then you have a cutscene after so it, there are a lot of cutscenes with the bases I think that one of the problems that Pokemon's had consistently with the enemy bait like the enemy group in each game because there's been one in each game is that sometimes they are just nonsensical like uh team yell or whatever it was from sword and shield where they were just like some obnoxious fans like they had no consequence and then you had ones like Gens three four and five where the villain organization is just i guess and six as well it's just like i want to end humanity
1: hi we're terrorists yeah
0: like There's never been a good middle ground, I think, until this game. I mean, I think Team Rocket Rocket, was a fine middle ground. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but like you can't just do Team Rocket every time.
0: Right. Sun and Moon, they decided to just have both. (laughs) Yeah. This game does a good job of sort of walking the middle line where the group are basically exiles from the Academy, which is the centerpiece for the whole game. And they don't have some big villain plans, but they are affecting the academy in a way that you know is good for you to stop as a student of the academy but it ends up being a lot more it tries to actually say something about bullying and how we treat other people especially like young impressionable people so like i'll give it points just for trying (laughs) even if some of it's pretty dang campy in a way that i don't love all the time
1: yeah i just i think that they have the most fun designs for sure I wish that they'd all have
2: their own really weird, like, main Pokemon.
0: Gym leaders in previous generations have had, like, an ace Pokemon. That's one very visually striking and generally better than average Pokemon's part of their team. And the members of Team Star just have, like, very average Pokemon of whatever their type is. It's Their final Pokemon's ridiculous. It's a car. Yeah. You do fight them like regular trainers... But once you beat them you do have to fight the car they're standing on which is pretty yeah. wild <laughs> so that's that sort of covers the whole team star story let's talk about the path of legends these are the giant titan fights i think this is probably my favorite of the three stories personally i would but i would agree even then it still gets kind of weird so you have your rideable pokemon corridon or Miradon, depending on which version of the game you have So Mm -hmm. that Pokemon's going through some stuff. It's hurt pretty significantly early in the game. So you're able to ride it, but most of its powers and its ability to fight are just gone. Like, something is blocking it from being able to do what it's supposed to do. So the Path of Legends sends you out on this quest to find these rare herbs called the Herba Mystica. And basically, these are going to be ways to restore... Corridon or Mirrodon to their full power each of the herbs are guarded by one of the titan pokemon which are these five just giant pokemon i think that this is something they really really should embrace in future games because i think they're just being these giant hulking pokemon out in this big open world that are causing trouble and i don't even know if causing trouble is the right word they're just kind of doing their own thing but they're not natural I really like that as a concept. I think that's something they should definitely explore in the future.
2: I wish they would have leaned more into that for the raid battles, because because this uh, brings back the raid battles from Sword and Shield, where you go into a cave and you and three other people fight a Pokemon. Except this time, instead of them being big, they'll have like balloons or a water fountain on their head.
1: We'll we'll come back to that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put a pin on that one.
2: But I think. The raids would have been more interesting if they would have utilized Titan Pokemon for that too.
1: I, I really liked the idea behind the Path of Legends, just with uh like the, the central conflict actually being about Pokemon. <laughs> because like there's really not a whole lot of actually dealing with Pokemon in the Pokemon games. They're more just a means to an end. But like with the Path of Legends, the Titan Pokemon are out, like causing mayhem just because they're in places that they don't belong. Like, they're not in their natural habitat. So, something needs to be done about them. I was a little let down because this is, I guess, a slight spoiler for this game. But if you haven't heard it, then it's... uh I, I don't know how you didn't hear it. But they're, they're a new paradox Pokemon. Uh, in Scarlet, they're mostly based on the past. And they're, like, prehistoric versions of modern Pokemon. And in Violet, they're from the future. And they're robot versions of modern Pokemon. And, like... I was a little let down that the Legends Pokemon weren't all Paradox Pokemon. One of them was, and then the other four were just really big versions of normal Pokemon.
0: I would still say like they're pretty cool Pokemon that they went with as the Titans. I mean, I think they were some of the best new designs, and two of the five were ones I ended up using on my main team. Mm-hmm. So like I still think they were pretty cool fights. My only real gripe with, with the Path of Legends was I don't think they were tough enough.
1: Yeah, they were definitely weaker. Like, the hardest Titan Pokemon was maybe on the same level as, like, the fourth gym leader.
0: I don't think they did enough to scale up the Pokemon. Like, I think they had, like, maybe three to five times as much HP as their regular versions. But I think they should have had, like, 15 to 20 times as much XP. Like, I think it should have taken several super effective attacks from, you know, a a Pokemon at their level just to, like, do some decent damage to these things. But I one-shot two of them. <laughs> so, which partially was because I was overleveled. I spent too much time grinding in the very early game. But it's just, it was a little bit too easy, which I think is an interesting thing about this game in general. And it's something that I don't love personally, but I think others have had more positive things to say. There's no scaling in this game at all the Pokemon are at a fixed level at the start of the game and they will stay at that level for the entire game. It doesn't matter what area you're in with what Pokemon, the Pokemon are whatever level they were going to be from the beginning, which is interesting from a concept of trying to make it kind of what it would actually be like, but it also makes it to where there's still kind of a right way to do everything. There's just some gym leaders are weaker than others so why would you do the strong ones first and some of the titans are better than others so
1: it's, it's not even a why would you do it first it's literally a waste of time like you could train up your pokemon just fighting normal enemies to level up enough so you could actually fight one of the like the the, the strongest gym in the game i think is the psychic gym and like You could waste your time training up all of your Pokemon by just fighting normal Pokemon and fighting the gym leader or the the Pokemon trainers on the routes, but that's going to take ages and it's not going to give you as much experience as you're going to get doing the gym leaders anyways. So at the end of the day, like there is just a correct order of the gym leaders and a correct order for the Titan Pokemon and the bases and like the whole time you're kind of just flowing between the different storylines <laughs> but one thing like i mentioned like there is just a correct order because of the lack of level scaling and then beyond that like you have to do all three storylines anyways like you can't you can't beat the game without doing all three storylines i kind of almost wish that there were like three separate endings yeah like one ending where you become a champion you beat the elite four one ending where you you know beat all the titan pokemon and then another one where you fight Team Star. But there's just one ending that kind of ties all three storylines together at the end. So it's kind of weird. I also have to say, I don't really like that all three storylines basically just amount to fighting. Like there there's really and I, I mean I know that's just like part of Pokemon, is that like the only real gameplay is the Pokemon battling. But I guess I would have liked to have seen more puzzles, maybe. Or something at least in one of the routes
0: it is really hard to picture pokemon doing anything but the battling <laughs> uh i can't even i mean i know the old games did do the puzzles in like the caves and stuff which was always kind of cool when you would you know push the rocks in just the right way so you could get to Articuno or whatever it is hard to picture that kind of thing working in a modern game but i'm sure it's been done before and could be done here <laughs>
1: Like, I don't mind that it, them all ending with fights. Like, that is the essence of Pokemon. And the, the gym leader path kind of does this to a point where every gym leader, before you actually fight them, you have to do a gym challenge, which they usually involve fighting. But for all eight gyms, like, they're very different experiences. Like, one of them, you roll a giant olive around. And <laughs> yeah. in another one, you deliver a guy his wallet. <laughs> And then yet another one, you're looking for sunflower Pokemon like in a town that's kind of all done up with sunflowers, so it's kind of like hide-and-seek.
0: Then in one of them, you play Simon Says. No, no, no. You almost play (laughs) Simon Says. You play a version of (laughs) Simon Says where Simon always says.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's more like bad Bop It. But there is at least some kind of difference there. I would have liked to have seen some kind of puzzles before you could fight the Titan Pokemon. I think that would have been a neat touch. Like the Titan Pokemon is locked itself inside of a cave. So you need to solve like a puzzle on the door or find a certain item and bring it to the Titan Pokemon so you can fight it.
0: They definitely could have done more setting up the fights.
2: I didn't mind the gym challenges. I thought some of them were even fine. Um, But I just I, I prefer the old style of gyms where it's, you know. You go in a building there's this big arena like themed after whatever the gym type is and you know you have to, sometimes maybe there'll be like a tiny puzzle of how they get around and there's some trainers to fight in there I just I strongly prefer that over this
1: what did you guys think of the gym leaders this time around I only really liked one of them that much uh,
0: not the best designs their their good design budget went into the team's star guys. <laughs> I think it's definitely some of the most boring gym leaders they've had.
1: It's it's weird that they they're not as good as last like the last generations gym leaders. Uh and those gym leaders were all wearing the same outfit.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's definitely like a I don't know, it's weird. I just don't think there was enough personality and then the ones that had a lot of personality had the most like generic sort of caricature type i I don't know it was just like none of them are awful they're not bad yeah they're they're just just
1: not like super interesting
0: they're bland because they're all trying too hard in like a very specific way
1: except for one yeah yeah one gym leader stands head and shoulders above the others Uh. and you know i'm talking (laughs) about my man larry yeah
0: Larry is objectively the best gym leader. But I would say, like, aside from their designs not being the best, I still think that it was one of the better gym challenges of the series. And I think part of that is the fact that you just can do more between them. Not even necessarily thinking about it from a it's not linear standpoint, as much as just, like, in a lot of the previous games, you could knock out your first three gyms in, like, a couple of hours. And this game, I think I was like at least seven or eight hours in before I challenged the first one, which of course meant I absolutely destroyed them because they have like level 12 Pokemon. But still, there's just a lot more you can do between them, which I think makes the time you do spend doing them better because it's not just, you're not just immediately finishing one and thinking like, okay, on to the next one.
1: Yeah, I do definitely like kind of getting away from just the the standard route system where it's like. All right, there's one specific way you get around this map. I I really wish that there was level scaling. I think that would really be a game changer. Yeah. Or if there was some kind of way that they could marry the two systems, so like some areas level scale but then others didn't. So you could still have like those really difficult areas like maybe the the top of the mountain or anywhere inside the crater could just have like way higher level pokemon because those are areas you go to later in the game. Kind of just scale but, them normally around all of the main towns and scale the gym leaders so you can fight them in any order you want. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, like obviously the bug type gym is going to be the easiest one to fight no matter what. But like, is there any particular reason why the ice type gym needs to be one of the last ones? If if I have a bunch of fire type Pokemon, like why can't I just go fight the ice gym early? And the reason for that, the reason is that uh, the Ice-type Gym Pokemon are all level 47. (laughs) So if you go there early, you're going to get absolutely destroyed.
0: Yeah. So one thing that I I can't really criticize at all is the new Pokemon themselves. I think that they knocked it out of the park this time around. I really, really love just about all the new Pokemon that I've encountered. What are y'all thinking about all the new ones?
2: I'm a big fan of this new little guy named char cadet he a little guy he is like a, a, a small tiny uh knight in training a cadet and he's a fire type char and in each version he evolves into a different uh pokemon and i had violet so for me i got good old surreal edge who's like a purple knight he's got two cool like sword arms that can retract and stuff depending on what moves you're doing or like for when it's doing different like emotes in battle and it's a fire ghost type which i don't know if that's a good uh matchup or not but i needed that i needed both of those on my team so it worked out (laughs) like there weren't many pokemon i were after like from the beginning of the game uh char cadet was like the first pokemon i was like okay i gotta get this now so I can load as many XP candies and rare candies into this Pokemon as
0: possible. <laughs> I mean, I, I just really like basically all of the two ones I encountered. I mean, there are some that are just fine. But, like, I think universally this is the strongest new entry they've had. There's just been so many that they've just had predominantly lackluster ones. Or they're just a lot of throwaway ones. But I think even, like, the early route more generic ones like your... Your early game normal and bug and flying types and all that are pretty cool this time around. And most of the ones that start off kind of bland evolve into pretty wild things, which I think is really cool. I just, I was just really, really happy with the new Pokedex as a One whole. The salt cube.
1: I, I definitely like all of the new Pokemon. Like, I like the little doggy, the little ghost doggy. <laughs> I like, at least from a design perspective, I like Orthworm. <laughs> who, he's one of the Titan Pokemon. He looks like a giant earthworm, but he, he's just always got a smile on his face. <laughs> yeah. I think he looks funny. <laughs> I also like how when he attacks, arms pop out.
0: Yeah. But just for the attack, they immediately go back in. Yeah. The new
1: Paradox Pokemon are also...
0: I, I think they're all at least all right. Violet definitely got the better ones this time around.
1: I mean, I just kind of like the robot aesthetic better. And all of the Violet ones are robots, so... Yeah.
2: I personally bef- prefer most of them at least the like ancient versions better like great tusk i like 10 times more
0: than whatever the violet version is named <laughs> i do think great tusk is, is an especially good standout there are there are what seven paradox pokemon in each game and i think that universally they're they're pretty cool there are definitely some weird ones but i think that they're they're pretty strong across the board you know there's always some that are cool like uh, i think there's the pseudo legendary of each generation. And I think that this gens is especially cool. And there's a new ghost type called gimme ghoul that was all over the promotional material for the game. And I think it's a really, really cool design and it evolves into one of the absolute weirdest Pokemon I've ever seen, but I really love it. And, New legendaries are really solid, even though they all share a type, which is kind of weird. But yeah, I, I think just across the board, there's a lot of really, really cool Pokemon here. I do think that some of them blending into the background a, a bit too much is is annoying. That's what, something that I hope they can fix in some way, but I don't know what it is. Because like there's small which is a new grass type. It's only like six inches tall and it's bright green so it just blends into the grass. You're going to run into it pretty regularly. I still think it's a pretty cool Pokemon and has one of like the most surprisingly great evolutions I've ever like of the series, but
1: Andy produces free olive oil. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> so
1: it doesn't come up in the game though.
0: <laughs> no. Nah. So, let's finally get back to that whole terastalizing thing, the balloons. <laughs> Jackson sort of mentioned it with the raid battle thing earlier. So, Every Pokemon game since Gen 6 has had some kind of special gimmick. This time around, that gimmick is terastalizing, which is a crystal-based thing that you can do to your Pokemon that changes their type. And from a mechanical standpoint, it's pretty simple. It changes their type, and where normally you get a 50% boost for using your type, you get a 100% boost for using your type. After you've terastalized, so like if a fire type uses a fire type move, gets a 50% buff. But if a fire type terastalized Pokemon uses a fire type move, gets it does double damage. And Pokemon could hypothetically terastalize to any type. So uh, for example, I have a Pokemon that is dragon ice type, very very strong in both of those types. But if I'm up against something that's super effective against me, like fairy type, for example. I could terrastalize it to dark type, which I think is also actually weak to fairy type now that I think about it. So that probably wasn't the best choice, but it means that, you know, normally it gets a type it gets a type advantage when I'm using dragon or ice type moves, but it also knows crunch. So if I'm in a pinch where dragon's just not working, I terastalize it to dark type, use crunch, and it does a lot of extra damage. Very cool mechanically. And I think that for people that are really competitive with Pokemon, it's gonna be a really really interesting wrinkle into the battles visually though it it's really dumb <laughs> uh yeah they get a big hat when you terrestrialize a pokemon they put on a big hat and that's that's like the whole thing
1: <laughs> and there is just one hat for each type yeah and some of them i think make sense for some pokemon but not others like the flying type one that Jackson has alluded to a few times uh, is a big hat with three balloons on it, and when you're using a Pikachu, I think that makes perfect sense, and I love it. Uh, when I'm using a bird that is already flying, I think that maybe something more appropriate could have been found.
0: What do normal types have? A diamond. It basically that looks like they're wearing <laughs> a diamond ring. Why? So, I don't. I don't know. I guess they didn't know what else to do with normal type.
1: <laughs> it's just a crystal.
0: Yeah. Again, I think that this has some pretty cool implications from a mechanical standpoint. But even that's kind of taken down by the fact that you can only terastalize once and then you have to go back to a Pokemon Center to have it restored.
1: Yeah, it's crazy how like disincentivized you are to use terastalizing.
0: Yeah, I think I only used it in gym battles, the Titan battles. Like I don't, I didn't use it any other time. Well, during raids which you kind of yeah. have to use them then.
1: You can only use it once before you have to go back to a Pokemon center uh, and get it recharged. So like if I'm if I encounter a Pokemon just while I'm out and about that's too powerful and I think about using Thrasalizing, if I choose to use it and I end up running into like a trainer battle that's actually difficult, like I just I'm screwed. Like nothing I can do about it. I feel like there's no reason to really use it defensively. Yeah. either, Um, which I feel like being able to completely change your type seems like it would have huge defensive implications on top of the offensive ones, but the problem is that the only times where you would ever really think to use it defensively is when you're fighting a gym leader, and you already know what type all the Pokemon from the gym leader are going to be, so there's no reason to.
0: Yeah, it's also kind of weird in general because each of the gym leaders in the past have had an ace Pokemon that's their type, super strong, pretty normally a rare Pokemon. This time around, each one has an ace that is not their type, that terastalizes to their type, where I feel like it should be the opposite. I think it should be a Pokemon that is their type, that terastalizes to something. Like if you're fighting the, the grass type gym, you would likely be using a fire type, so the grass type gym leader terastalizes it to water or whatever but instead it takes like a normal type and terastalizes it to grass which is just i don't get the advantage of that
1: (laughs) every single gym does the exact same thing they have a pokemon that's not their type and they terastalize it to their type yeah so it's functionally just another normal pokemon of their type yeah, it's such a waste of time, honestly, <laughs> yeah. just with how long you have to sit there and wait. The animation And then, does then if you're using a good enough Pokemon against it, you're probably going to one-shot it, <laughs> but it's like, oh, first, before you one-shot it, you need to sit here and watch this 15-second animation where it puts a hat on.
0: Yeah, I don't love the terrestrializing, but I also didn't love Dynamaxing or Z-moves, so, you know.
1: <laughs> it's just so crazy to me. And, I mean, we've talked about this, I think, even on this podcast before. That they keep trying to find a new gimmick every single game. And the idea behind the gimmick is always the Pokemon becomes more powerful or changes type. But it's like, the first gimmick they did was Mega Evolving, and that did both.
0: They got it right on the first try. Why did they keep trying?
1: (laughs) It doesn't make sense, first off. Like, Mega Evolving is a cool idea, because the whole thing with Pokemon is that they evolve. But when they're at their third form, they don't evolve anymore. And then Mega Evolving, they were like, what if you could evolve an extra time whenever you want? And that was awesome.
2: And then they were like, never again.
1: And it was still in Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. And once again, that's why Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire is the greatest Pokemon game that's ever been made.
2: I'm telling you, Gen 6 is where it's at.
1: Well, it only gets that... Because it's also Gen 3, though. Yeah. Shut your mouth. It's it's based on Gen 3, the greatest gen. The first and second place games are Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. Maybe in the other order. Um, The third place game is Emerald. And then the fourth and fifth place are Ruby and Sapphire. In that order. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I think that this game is very, very high up the list, though. This is up there with the best gens, for sure. I know we've been pretty hard on this game overall for a lot of... You know for a lot of visual stuff and performance stuff and you know we've even had a lot of negative things to say about some of the core concepts but i still think at its like at its most basic element i think that this is really in a lot of ways the best pokemon experience just in that you get to go out and explore and hunt for pokemon and you're not shoehorned to do it in a certain order and I think that even though this game should have been significantly better than it was, it at the very least has that going for it, which I think puts it head and shoulders above some other Pokemon games.
1: I do really like the open world. I mean, it was something that I think we all knew we were going to like after Legends Arceus. I wish it maybe had kept more from Legends Arceus, like just being able to catch Pokemon. But I mean, like I do think it took a lot of really good lessons and it mixes up the formula of the games in a way that could definitely renew interest. Yeah. For it's definitely sure. more interesting than the previous several games. Cuz I mean like at the end of the day I I liked Sword and Shield, but I also didn't play it until both expansions were out. You know, I don't know if I would have liked it originally. The base game really is just a lot of the same Pokemon stuff that we've been doing since, you know, the early 2000s. Yeah. But this one does enough new stuff that I, I think that it'll stand out in a way that none of the previous games will, except uh, Omega Ruby and Alpha Zapphire, of course. <laughs>
0: yeah. think it's time to pull the plug. Jackson, what else have you been into?
2: It's that time of year. There is a new Destiny season.
1: It's that new time. <laughs> it's that time of year that um, happens four times one a of, year one of four <laughs> yeah.
2: it's the new season of destiny it hasn't even been out for a week it's all right i guess <laughs> not much has went on with it naturally there's a new activity that's kind of just a copy and paste of old ones but with a different setting good bit of new weapons there's a new dungeon out i have not done it yet um but there's a cowboy outfit yeah there's cowboy outfits in the dungeon and cowboy guns and also a uh very high tech bow because that's you know that's cowboy (laughs) but yeah it's all it's all right there hasn't been much yet played a few hours of it not too much to talk about yet but i also haven't done anything else so (laughs) yeah i guess that's me this week
0: (laughs) nice
1: (laughs) wow not only did you talk about Destiny again, you also had nothing to say about <laughs> Destiny this time.
0: I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been into?
1: So, I think I've mentioned it before, but I did end up getting a Steam Deck uh, a few months ago. And for the most part, because we've been so busy with like so many games on the podcast, I really haven't touched it too much, but... Recently, I've decided to kind of start getting into primarily emulating some older games that either there is no convenient way for me to play right now or just things that I've been interested in that I just never got a chance to play. And I think the thing that really kind of sped it up for me is when they announced that they were porting Persona 3 Portable to the like modern consoles PC, Xbox, PlayStation. And I was really interested in playing Persona 3, but I knew that Persona 3 Portable isn't even the best version of of Persona 3. It's just the one that has, like, dual protagonists. or I don't even think it's dual protagonists. I think it's just you can choose your gender.
0: Yeah, I think um, the only thing that people prefer about Portable from what I've read is the fact that it streamlines some of the out-of-dungeon stuff. But even mm-hmm. then, I've heard that it also sacrificed a lot of the personality of that out of dungeon stuff so
1: yeah so around the same time they introduced that or they announced it I also saw that someone else was working on an HD patch for Persona 3 FES which is kind of like it's kind of like uh, Persona 3's version of Golden or Royal for Persona 5 that basically just adds a bunch of extra content and it's it's kind of like the definitive version of the game yeah So I decided I was going to start emulating that on my Steam Deck. And I started it while I was at, you know, uh, Jackson's house a few days ago, or I guess a couple weeks ago now. And it it runs really well on the Steam Deck. I was kind of surprised because I haven't really done much like PlayStation 2 emulation since I don't know that I've ever emulated PlayStation 2 before. (laughs) I think I tried playing one of the Metal Gear Solid games, and it ran really terrible at the time. But that was a long time ago. Yeah. But I, I think that based on like how easy it was to set up and how like there are actually emulation tools kind of built into Steam now, so you can just basically kind of get anything up and running, assuming you can get a hold of the ROM. Um, naturally, I got my ROM. The completely legal way, you know, I, I found a... <laughs> A PlayStation 2 disc for Persona, Persona 3 FES. I, I, you know, I got the image off of that disc completely legally. It was a good time. <laughs> the
0: only but, game I'm allowed to talk about, uh, emulating is, uh, Paper Mario the Thousand Year Door. Cause I do own the disc for it. Did I get the ROM off of it?
1: No, no. You, you got the ROM off the disc. It's yeah. completely fine and legal. Yeah. No issues here. Yeah. But after I was kind of playing that for a while, I kind of realized there's a lot of games that I wanted to emulate. Uh, And now on top of Persona 3, I'm also playing Donkey Kong 64 because I've actually I've played on people's like completed or at least, you know, story completed Donkey Kong 64 copies. But I've never actually like played the game from the beginning.
0: Yeah, I'm in the same boat, actually.
1: So I was kind of excited to give that a shot. But anyway, to kind of like sum up what I was saying, emulation on the Steam Deck is surprisingly really easy to set up. I think it's honestly easier to set it up than it is on Windows these days. <laughs> but yeah, that that's about all I have to say. Jordan, what have you been up to?
0: Well, I found a new game. A game. I think it actually just came out this week. But it's a game I've known about for less than 48 hours. But to put it in perspective, I've known about it for less than 48 hours and I've already played 12 hours of it.
1: There was a point when you'd only known Oxygen for 24 hours, and now you're freaking addicted to that stuff. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's this is the same thing. Uh, so this is a new game. It is a 16-bit turn-based RPG, very retro-styled, uh, called Chained Echoes. And the best pitch that I can give you for this game is it's, what if final fantasy 6 was released in 2022 but specifically if it had the 30 years between final fantasy 6 and now to learn about how to sort of spice up the turn-based medium it is a beautiful game it has a ton of content it has a very very compelling story with some really interesting characters and it does it all with this incredible reverence for the games of that era, your Final Fantasy 6s, your Chrono Triggers, th- things like that. And like, what got me interested in this game was I, I saw like a recommended YouTube video that was just like, Chained Echoes is 2022's biggest hidden gem. I didn't watch that video, but it did convince me to Google Chained Echoes. And one of the first things I found was a quote by the creator, which the whole game is made by one person, which is astounding because it's apparently like a 40-some hour long RPG. The One of the quotes by the creator was he wanted to create an RPG that is how we remember games from that era, not how games actually were. And that as a premise was just like, okay, I want to see what this is about, and it took a about 30 minutes for me to realize like okay this game is incredible. It basically plays like any other turn-based RPG from like the Super Nintendo era with three unique mechanics that I'll try and explain as quickly as I can because I don't want to bog down this whole segment. So basically it trades quantity of battles for quality of battles. So if you're on like a floor of a dungeon There's no random encounters. There's not even that many enemies around. You're probably only going to get into like three fights on that floor. But each fight is going to be several turns long at least. And fights can go very bad very quickly. So you kind of have to always be on your toes, even when you're fighting fairly weak enemies. So that's already one thing that it does a lot better than a lot of RPGs from the time, which were... A lot of grindy, repetitive fights, walking around in an area with random encounters forever just to get XP, like all that's gone. Second, you have a party of eight characters, but you only have four slots on the battlefield, which normally I dislike in a game. Like even um, Dragon Quest XI, which is one of my favorite turn-based game, still kind of frustrated me because you had a party of nine, but you could only have four characters, which meant most of the time your characters were not involved in the battle. This game kind of sidesteps that whole issue because you only have four characters in the battle, but you basically have two characters assigned to each slot. So only one of the two can be on the battlefield at any given time. But when you get to that slot's turn, so when it's those two characters turn, you can basically pick from the full move pool of both of those characters. And whichever one you attack with is the one that stays in the battle and could potentially be hurt in turn. So you're switching characters like crazy. I mean, there are literally enemy types that set it up where they're resistant to one type on certain turns and they're weak to another on other turns. So you're having to switch, but literally like between attacks on the same enemy, which is very, very cool. And then the third thing is every single battle, you start fresh. So... You, every time you go into a fight, you have full health and full mana, which is really good because it means you can be casting crazy spells and doing complex abilities every single fight. You don't feel like you have to conserve energy to save that one spell for that one time where it matters the most. Like If you have a strong ability, you can use it on like the first turn of every battle if you want to. But what stops you from doing that is, I believe it's called your oh, what is it called? Hyperdrive meter, I think. So every time you do an attack or get attacked, you move up this meter and it's three colors. It's uh, green, yellow, and red. If you're in the yellow, you and your enemies do neutral damage. You start in the yellow. So as you do more complex abilities, as you play more aggressively, this moves up until you're in the green, which when you're in the green, you do more damage and you're abilities cost half as much energy or mana or whatever it's technically called so when you're in the green you can use way more abilities without ever like having to worry about draining yourself but if you stay too aggressive for too long then you go into the red when you're in the red you take significantly more damage from enemies but the way you sort of get around that is every turn there is a move type that instead of increasing your adrenaline, your hyperdrive, whatever, it decreases it. So every single time you go up to do a special attack, it could be like, okay, well, this attack would do a lot of damage to this enemy type, but it would also put me in the red where I would take more damage. So this turn, I'm going to use this other move, which would do less, but actually removes this stress. And like, it's all very complicated sounding, but it's all woven together in a way that makes the combat really, really interesting. Like, every single fight. Even against, like, the most generic, weakest, you know, what what would normally be the weakest things you'll find just running around the map. The fights are still cool because they can go a lot of different ways. And there's a lot of stuff you have to juggle. And it just, it all fits together really, really well. Like, this game is sort of what I think a lot of those games could have been if they had the foresight of, you know, the next 30 years of RPGs to compare to. But I'm I've just been absolutely smitten with it so far. I I really really like everything I've played. I'm certainly going to keep going with it. Um it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit late in the year, so I'm I don't know if I could necessarily put it in my like favorite games of the year with by separating it with like recency bias and stuff, but I'm really, really digging it so far. It's on like every console now too. You can get it on Steam or on Switch or uh, Xbox. It is on Game Pass, which is where I've been playing it, which is great. So if you have an Xbox or a PC and you have Game Pass, I really, really recommend trying it out. Well, that just about does it for another episode of the Totally Biased Media Podcast. If you would like to reach out to us, there are several ways you can do that. First, on Twitter, at TBMcast. Second, on Instagram at totallybiasedmedia. media. Third, you can find us on twitch.tv. You can find us at on Twitch at twitchtv totallybiasedmedia media. Uh, we have not been streaming as much as we should be, but we hope to get back into that in the near future. <laughs> you can also send us an email with your own reviews for games or your suggestions for the show or anything you want to tell us to Biased media at gmail.com. We would love to hear your reviews. We would love to work them into future episodes. So anything you want to tell us, we would love to engage however we reasonably can.
1: Yeah, you can tell us about anything. Tell us about your doctor's appointment. Did it go well? Is there anything you're concerned about? Maybe if you're concerned, don't share it with us, actually. I don't know. (laughs) We wouldn't be able to help. I think we'd just make it worse.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Reach out to us with anything except your concerning doctor's news, I guess.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Anything else is fair game, I would say. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, for the Totally Biased Media Podcast,
1: I'm Jordan Walkup. I'm Jason Simmons. And I'm Jackson Walkup. And you just felt the bias. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye.